Hello and welcome to Clamp, the Creating, Living, and Making podcast. I'm your host, Morley Kurt, and joining me as always is Adam Mackey. Yeah, yeah. And Grant Alexander. Hello. What's doing, boys? Um, how's everything going, Mr. Oh, I'm not going to go first. Grant, how is it going? <laughs> well, uh, I, I it's going good. Four weeks in a row, I released a video on the weekend. I This was the last uh, of the videos I think I'm going to release that are actual how-to videos from my uh, camper project. Um, and I released kind of a how to redo your awning bag. So if anyone has like a pop-up trailer or fiberglass trailers, the only two trailers I've ever really seen them on, they have these awnings that are like rolled up inside of a bag that stay on the side of your trailer. Now, a lot of them, because they're often seen on pop-ups because you can't have those bars on the side that allow you to just roll out the awning. Um, so anyways, they're also on the fiberglass trailers. I've noticed a lot, but during this, like this craziness that we're experiencing with supply chain issues and pandemics and whatever, you can't find a bag awning anywhere for less than like $2,000, which is insane. Cause they're like $400 like normally. So instead of replacing my entire awning, because it, the aluminum's fine. The awning was fine. It was just the bag that was garbage. I, sewed up a new bag and I released the video this week. Nice. <laughs> you brought that sentence to like an abrupt halt. <laughs> yeah. yeah I was full ready for you to say something now. else. <laughs> I didn't, I was going to say something else, but then I was just like, uh Oh, I've lost it. Uh, <laughs> the other thing I've been up to is my windows have been leaking. So when I moved into this house, um, many moons ago, like nine years ago, I think uh, it had like part of the selling point is that it had this like sunroom, they called it. Uh, but really it was like part of the kitchen had ginormous windows. They're like uh, 10 feet tall windows by four feet wide. Um, and there's six of them that form oh. the room, a patio door, and then four that form the roof. Um, and I replaced four of them when I moved in. Cause they had like, the seals had gone on them. And when they did that, they were fooling around with the flashing to get the windows in place. And ever since then I've had, I've been battling leaky issues. Um, and last year I did a bunch of work trying to fix one side of it. Um, and now it was leaking even worse this summer. And I always, I just kept forgetting to fix it. it the only time it's like one of those things. The only time you think about doing it is when it's raining. And then you can't do it. It's raining. You go, crap, I needed to fix that stupid uh, leaking window uh, and reseal it. Like there's a bunch of silicone on there. There's obviously over time it, it needs to be replaced. Um, but yeah, so I finally, before it gets too cold out, I finally fixed those leaky windows. Cool. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's good not to have water coming into your house. Yeah, I agreed. I I think in the spring I might just take like the top four windows out because we have them covered anyways because it like it's like way too much light. It's like one of those things that you you think you want until you live with it. Once you live with it, you go, this is just too much. It looks beautiful, <laughs> but then it's just too much light. It is like five to ten degrees hotter on that side of the house because of those stupid windows. Anyways, mm. I think I'm going to take the windows out or just like 
put something over top of them, like a regular roof over top of them. I always, I always wanted a like conservatory, but I Mm -hmm. feel like I would want it a detached building from the house. Like not like a sunroom, but just like you go into the back garden and there's a insulated greenhouse that you could basically like a four season greenhouse that you go have a little table to hang out in. Yeah. So I think conservatory is what someone might call my area, but that's like something that Andy Pugh would call it, but I don't call Mm -hmm. it that because I'm, I don't know, not 50 or, or not British. Yeah. Well, I think of it as something take, different. Take that, like, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, Adam, what about you? What's been what's been going on? Other than playing videos out of your phone when you're supposed to be talking. I, I did not mean to do that. I looked at my phone and it unlocked itself and a video I have to be playing. Um, I haven't really done much this week. I've just been going to the gym, eating good, trying to be a good there little boy. Yeah. Yeah, I feel good. I Did, feel feeling excited about fitness back. Challenge started, yeah. Uh, what's today's Thursday? Yeah, so it started on Monday, like four days ago. Nice. But okay. I, because I got my scan last Thursday, challenge pretty much started for me last Thursday because it goes, it's like scan to scan pretty much. Like, oh, okay. They ref- so they reference your first and last scan at the beginning and the end of the challenge. So if I. Right don't start it on the Thursday. I'm pretty much hindering myself a few days. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So pretty excited. I um, have finally decided like what I want to do for food and stuff. So um, probably tomorrow I'm going to go shopping and just cook up a massive, like 14 days worth of food. Do that every couple of weeks. Fun. Actually, that makes Damn. Cool. Do you have contain? This is a really in the weeds question, but do you have containers picked out that you're going to store all these meals in? Yeah, so I went out and bought like 28 containers. Because, um, yeah, so the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to have like I'm um, cook two meals per day and then like I'll cook lunch every day. Nice. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Pretty much just meat and broccoli every day. Meat, broccoli, and cauliflower. Crazy. I love broccoli. It's like one of my favorite vegetables. Same. I, I don't like broccoli. Mm. Until you eat it every day and then it gets a bit much. <laughs> I feel like I can't think of a single vegetable that I like. Mm. Interesting. If, if anyone <laughs> has ever looked at me and and would and couldn't have guessed that before it came out of my mouth, I like I love frozen peas. Wait, like, is barley literally one? literally frozen barley peas. is a grain? Oh, mm. hops. So you, <laughs> that's beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeast Craig just starts listing the ingredients of beer. I think yeast is further away from a vegetable than barley is. It's not it doesn't even grow in the ground. <laughs> well Well corn's know. a vegetable, isn't I guess it? I, oh wait. And that doesn't grow in the ground. Corn is like biologically a vegetable, but nutritionally it's like a grain. Mm. It's also very unhealthy for you. I like, exactly. I like potatoes. Like you, you, I like. you wouldn't eat it. Yeah, that's also not a vegetable. <laughs> potatoes are a vegetable. Again, like yeah, bio, yeah biologically they are, but like on the food pyramid, what? it's in the in the grain category. It's just carbs. Yeah, but they're still well, a vegetable. I guess so, sure. but you wouldn't eat them in the same way that you do like carrots or broccoli. Some people, anyway. No, you would. Have you, have you never had? Better. 
Yeah. <laughs> My favorite vegetable is tomato. Uh, Not even going to touch that one. All right. Um, <laughs> well, I put out the um, pumpkin-formed concrete planter video, which is, is – so I knew it would be like a controversial video in that like it, it looks like a little rough. It's an experiment. It's not fully utilitarian. But it's always funny when you know that something might be controversial, but it always is in a way that you don't expect. So like I had like a lot of people that were like very rightly so critical of the fact that I rinsed it out in the sink. Um, and I, I realized pretty early on as I was rinsing it that like, Oh, this is probably bad. I put a tray down to like, to catch it. But I, it's just like, it's funny how people get so fixated on like these tiny details where it's like, yeah, that probably wasn't a good call, but like not the point. <laughs> Do people realize that dirt and rocks go into storm drains, which are then filtered through the same plants as your sewer drains? I think the concern was more around my home plumbing, like of it getting caught in a U-bend and building up. Oh, geez. That, that is like stones are fine. Grease is a problem. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, I should have fought I, back well, against these internet commenters then. I was just like, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> well, you, like, you shouldn't have for environmental reasons perhaps, but definitely not for that. The thing that I thought was controversial in your video is you trying to like like fruit ninja that thing in half with with uh, Eden holding it. I was that so like, cringing. That felt incredibly safe in person. And Eden's right here. Let me ask you. Eden, did that – Chopping of the pumpkin feel sketchy at all to you? Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten sketchy or safe? Okay. Eden said it was seven out of ten sketchy, but I don't know. I felt very in control. Like if I'm chopping straight down, like I know where that knife is going to go. So suck it, internet. Um. (laughs) So you should – were you a Boy Scout? No, I'm Jewish. There's a zone of danger if you're holding a knife – and no one should be within the zone of danger. And it's your arm's length. And then you spin in circle. And no one should okay. be in there. Seems a little much for two functioning adults. I can understand how that would be a thing for like a 10-year-old boy. But uh, I think I, I think I can handle it. When, when okay. you edited the video, did you not look at Eden's face? Because you shouldn't have uh, even did, had yeah. to ask her if it was cringy <laughs> by looking at her face. Yeah. Anyways, it was, um, I was very happy with the video. Like it was very fun to make and especially making with her. I feel like whenever we do stuff together in a video, it's always like makes for a more fun process. And it was, it was just a good time in general. So, um, yeah, happy to have tried that experiment. Um, and we also, Ryan and I put out an episode of into the spotlight for the first time in like three months because <laughs> um, both of us had like super busy summers and yeah, we still did clamp every week, but like adding another podcast on top of that, like I don't even think I like thought about into the spotlight. Um, like it was the thoughts that would come into my head during the summer was like, Oh dang, we should really probably like find another guest. And I feel bad cause I feel like I'm dropping the ball on Ryan, but come to find out that he was feeling the exact same way. Cause he also like changed jobs and <laughs> was writing a ton um, but we're, we, we're, we're back at it. We put out an episode with Justin Ofler from bear naked, uh, which oh. was really fun. 
it's it just we just published it like as we're hit a recording and um yeah it was like i don't know if you guys feel this but if you're away from something for a while you kind of start to dread it like the longer you mm-hmm. put something off the bil- bigger it builds up in your head which was kind of happening but it was so nice to get back to doing it because i feel like the conversations we have um on that podcast like are so motivating for me like just talking about like the creative process and like people's stories is like it really wants me to like get going and try creating different things so i'm really excited to like start putting episodes out more regularly again um maybe we will actually get out down to some sort of schedule um but yeah that was nice to get back into and he's moving back to toronto um some point soon i don't know like within the next few months which is pretty exciting because he's been out That's in cool. Gaspé f- for the pandemic. Um, in other news, I've been designing a project which I think could be really cool, but it's still in a design phase, and that is a fully 3D-printed razor knife. So it holds a razor blade. Um, and yeah, I'm still designing it. I, I've carried out a couple tests, but I feel like it will work to a certain extent. Um, hmm. Is it going to be? I, yep. Go on. Are you going to be encapsulating the blade in it as you print? Like you print halfway, stop. That's an interesting idea, but no. What I'm oh. doing is it's like a, a replaceable blade. So you know how in a paint scraper, it has that mechanism where you slide in the blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the same sort of thing, but just 3D printed. So the whole frame will be printed and then you'll be able to replace the blades in it so it's not a 3d printed blade no it's a 3d printed frame for the knife i was wondering how you're going to get a sharp edge on a 3d print so it's actually it's interesting that you say that because i was trying to figure that out this summer when we did the polymer clay jewelry making with sarah and i 3d printed some clay cutters for the kids to use basically like a cookie cutter and I knew that she had gotten some 3D printed before because we had talked about it. Um, and we were kind of tossing ideas back and forth and figuring out the best way it would work. So I, what I basically did when I made them was I did like a stepped profile. So it started out thick and then got thinner and then got thinner. So it wouldn't just be this long, thin edge that might crack. And it worked fine. But then when she came in person, she brought some of the 3D printed cutters that she had commissioned and they were just a fully tapered profile. So it tapered to one filament thickness on the very top. And if you taper it like that, you can get to a much skinnier end because you can't 3D print a tower of single filaments. It just, it doesn't work. Um, so you, you, you technically could 3D print a sharp edge. It's just like, you know, it's like a cake knife. It's not really going to cut through anything that gives any, puts up any bit of a fight. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but it's reminding me- excited for it. Yeah, I think it'll be cool. And like I've mentioned in the past, like I've been wanting to design some sort of like 3D printed like EDC item. And I think this could be like a good first project in that category. Um, it's I think it's going to be like a satisfying little tool. It's And it's reminding me in some ways of the um, Art Deco puzzle box because I'm trying to basically like designing this entire mechanism virtually and then gonna, you know, I'm not gonna do it all the way to 100%, but I'll print it and then kind of see if it works. So it's making me kind of draw on that like beginner's mindset that I had 
for that project where it was like, I had an idea going into the puzzle box that like it would be something bigger than anything I attempted before in 3D printing. But like, you never know when you go into a project like that, how much work it's actually going to be. And um, it's good. It's nice to have that, like those blinders on when you go in to try something, because once you actually know how much work something is, it makes it a lot harder to actually do the project. And like, I've been wanting to make another bag or purse or backpack or something for a while out of leather. And like, it's really hard to get the motivation up to actually do it because I made that purse like two year, two, three years ago is like one of my first projects still, I think one of my best performing videos. So it's like the motivation is there to make another one, (laughs) but after doing it, it's like, I know all the mistakes that I made and I know how much work it is. And it's like, I, I know how much more there can be to it if you do it correctly. So there's now all these kind of barriers in place. Cause I don't really have that beginner's mindset anymore around that project, but it's nice to be doing something totally new where it's like, yeah, I'm just going to try it and, uh, you know, print it, see what happens. And I think this will work like this whole 3d printed mechanism. We'll see. Yeah. I, so. I totally get where you're coming from. It is something that plagues me all the time. Um, just getting stuck. Like when I've done something once before, I feel like I learned the learning curve was like super vertical, but at the same time, it was just very easy to, to just go, well, if I screw it up, it's okay. It was my first try. And for Mm -hmm. some reason, if it's my second try and I screw it up, I'm a failure. (laughs) Like, I should have learned everything I needed to know off that first one, right? And you do. You learn so much. Like when I look at things that I've done for the first time, you just – like I know I'll look at them and see all the mistakes. But I know like part of why I don't like doing multiples of something is because I lose that beginner's mindset. I lose that like motivation that I'm not learning enough. I'm still learning, but it's like a – it's like if – if you put it out of a hundred, like a hundred is that expert level. You could do it perfectly every time. Um, like that first, when you go from zero to 50 or zero to 60 and you produce something, you've learned a lot and there's diminishing mm-hmm. returns on everyone. But at the same time, you, you worry each one of those points uh, matter so much more on every subsequent project. Right. Mm. Like trying, you you care more about getting from 60 to 61 than you cared about getting from zero to 60. Mm. Mm. I've, been, I've been finding that with all the CNC stuff that like it, every time I learn something new of like how to design something in Fusion for the CNC, it like it builds up with like the next project and the next project. And it's all, it's not every project has an individual skill. It's just like it, it builds up sort of thing. And I've, I don't know. I've been really enjoying that sort of like beginning of like beginning on how to do all the CNC stuff, which has been really fun. Yeah. It's, it's a addictive feeling like trying something for the first time. I think it's why a lot of us like trying new skills because there's a certain like mystery around it. And it's like, I, I Grant and I were talking about this like hand cranked leather sewing machine today. And I was watching this video and I was just daydreaming. I'm like, oh my God, I can't imagine having this machine and being able to do that. Like, that would be so cool. And (laughs) imagining like 
something that you haven't yet done is like a really exciting feeling. So there's a huge amount of yeah. motivation to make it happen. But then once you've done it and kind of the mystique is no longer there, it, the motivation kind of not dries up a little bit, but it just can change forms. You know, it can be more about mm. like getting better at something, um, which becomes a lot harder than doing it for the first time. Cause it a lot of times requires more investment and more time and yeah. Yeah. More t- different techniques. Well, so when thinking about um, the videos, so I made the planter box bench uh, video. It's definitely like, it's the video that made me monetize on YouTube. It's one of my favorite projects. I made it for my mom. I went into it with zero plan with the power off with a handsaw that was made for like cutting limbs off trees, right? Like not the right type of handsaw, nothing, nothing, (laughs) every single thing that could possibly go wrong. Like a literal hurricane came through and knocked out the power. And I built this thing for my mom and I couldn't, for whatever reason, I, there were so many things that went like wrong and I just solved the issues in the time. I couldn't do it. Like I should just make another one. I'd like to make something similar for my house and I can't bring myself to do it because I'm afraid of making, not solving all the mistakes I made. Hmm. So I was okay with making mistakes on the first one, but the second one I'm like, it needs, I needs to be perfect. And I, and it's just like you, I've got motivation. There is one of my best performing videos. Why not make another one or make something, you know, similar, but different, right? Obviously I wouldn't make the exact same thing and make another video of it, but, um, exactly the same, but different. Right. It's just a little bit different. It's not the same. (laughs) Uh, this one's better, but like, why can't I, it's been two years. Why can't I do it? Hmm. I think it's stopping when I think like, once you know that a certain project or process like will come with a lot of like mistakes or difficult times, you feel like you have to solve them in advance. Right. And one of the really like helpful things about trying to draw on that beginner's mindset is just letting yourself like realize that like there will be struggles and tough things, but trying not to let that stop you from doing it. And that's kind of like with this 3d printed razor knife, like, what I'm thinking of, like I'm experienced enough now. And I, I feel like this is kind of like what experience does. Like I know this will be a time suck and I know it's going to take like multiple levels of prototyping and I'll print the first one and I'll test it out. And like the second I print it, I'll find an issue that um, will make me immediately have to print another one. So like, there's going to be wasted filament, like there's going to be that time but I'm trying not to let it really stop me. Cause it's like, I, I feel like this could be like really cool. And, right. and yeah. for the first one, I agree. I think <laughs> the big problem comes about in doing the second one, right? That's the, how do I motivate myself to have that same beginner's mindset beyond my initial, like the, you, you've never made a 3d printed razor knife before. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Or utility knife before. So, it doesn't matter how many times you, you screw one up. You're going to be excited that you might be able to get to a, f- a finish. How do so you do that for your next tool? So if we stay on the, the planter box for a moment, so is, you, is the thing that you're kind of talking about is making another planter box and a video about making a planter box? Maybe. Or another bench or something. Good, like there's... Like what I made, yes. What to answer your question, basically, yes, but making it better. 
So what would make you think, like if we're talking about motivation, right? Because we could say that video did really well, which I feel like is the motivation to do another. But what would make you think that doing like the exact same project would also do very well? Well, so I wouldn't do, it wouldn't look the same. Right. Right. So if people, planter benches, there's not a lot of videos out there, but you could design them a lot of different ways. So that's like saying, Mm -hmm. if you design a chair, why would you ever design another chair? You've designed one, never make another chair. Right? (laughs) Like, uh, so I, I think designing another planter bench or even planter boxes might be something that could do well on my channel because I have people who get to the end of that one and say, oh, he's designed another one, right? It still gets a lot of views to this day, so. Yeah, I was, um, like, I've been researching a lot of different beginner woodworking projects at the Steam, at work, like at the Steam project because I'm teaching this intro to woodworking class. So I'm trying Mm -hmm. to find projects that we're going to do in it. And I think I've kind of rounded out the catalog for now, at least. Uh, We'll see how long things take, but. I think they'll take longer than I think they will. And um, they always do. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of stumbling into like DIY subcultures that I don't normally find myself in the whole like beginner woodworking projects and like easy things to do with your kids, which is a pretty big community. And you have a lot of channels, which is like not very high production quality or even very good videos for that matter. But they have a lot of content on like a single topic and I'm scrolling through it. I'm like, oh, this is really nice to see like a lot of different options. And right. that sort of, you know, personality or channel is, is something where like doing the same thing in slightly different ways is really helpful. Like if you want to have that catalog of like, ooh, you could make a stool this way or you could make like a little mini bookcase. That's this, basically the same process, but it's a different project. I feel like that's what I'm going through with the CNC videos. Like the first one, I put out and I got a lot of good sort of feedback for it, like the tutorial videos, I mean, not the unboxing. And then I'm like, I'm going to keep playing on this and I keep making more CNC tutorial videos and and every single one of them gets good engagement and pushes me further. I'm enjoying making them and, and all that sort of stuff. But like I'm essentially doing the same video over and over. It's just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So, well, and that's good right. too. Cause that's like sustainable. Like if you, yeah. if you enjoy doing it and it doesn't have to be a crazy amount of work every time, then like, that's awesome. Bob's your uncle, as I might say. Yeah. And, and hot take with all the, all of my tutorial videos so far, it's the first time I've ever done it. Like, like literally like the, um, the very first video that I put out, that was the first time I've designed something like that in fusion. Like right. learned yeah. it as I went, I don't know how to but use all- fusion. It's but all I think, about narrating it properly. Yeah, yeah. Because once you've think, done it, you can say how you did it. Yeah, and I think that's where it's helping me is because I've just learned it. I'm, I sort of, I'm in that mindset of how to show someone to do it that doesn't know what they're doing. Whereas if I, if I'd been doing it for twenty years and was so professional at it that I wouldn't understand like how I need to speak to someone that's just learning. If yeah. that makes sense. I mean, that's a whole another side of the beginner's mindset, right? It's like it's thinking like a beginner and a lot of times in teaching that can be like super helpful. And, you know, that's what I'm doing with these woodworking classes. It's like, I'll build the project the week before, or maybe like two weeks before document everything, like make notes, like, no, don't do this for thing first, do that thing first. This is what they have to look out for. And then I go into the class and I still have to be like, wait a minute, I need to dial this back like 10 levels because you don't even know 
what inches are because you learned centimeters in school. So first off, yeah. let's talk about inches and what a 16th of an inch is. <laughs> so like, and that's, I, I had the same experience when I was like TAing, like when I was being a teaching assistant for like our calculus classes at university, it's like, I had just learned most of this material, but it was right. super fresh in my head. And I knew the common roadblocks that people would come up against. And it made me a pretty good teacher for it. Cause it, I, you know, it's right there in my memory. And you also then become better at understand. Like you can't teach something you don't understand. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I've tried. I mean, I, I would say you can, and I did. <laughs> and then as well, you're teaching it, you're like, Oh, I kind of, I understand this better. You can, because a lot, okay, go on. It's a rabbit hole altogether. Yeah. That's a whole different rabbit hole. I just like I, one class in high school. I remember I got a hundred percent on the class and that was because I taught everyone around me. Every single person around me didn't understand what was happening and I'd have to teach everyone. And that's how I was like, well, like I can't not know it now. Right. Like it's, you know, it was math. So it was one of those, like, there's a right answer. It's not like English where it's like, a teacher doesn't like you and he told you to kill yourself. So probably not a good answer there. Um, <laughs> so uh, all that to say is that has nothing to do with beginner's mindset. Yeah. There wasn't a flex. We talked about it before. It's a callback. Um, wow. Sorry. There was so much lag just then because I said that about three minutes ago. Not, <laughs> not that it was like 30 seconds you, ago. Anyways, um, I don't know where I was going to go with this, but the you were talking about t- teaching people and how that and learning things, and I think that's the, what I was trying to say at the beginning. You go from zero to sixty so quickly, you learn so much that it it motivates you so much mm. to keep mm-hmm. to just get through it. Just I'm, I'm learning, so I can make mistakes, and I think this whole thing boils down to I have a fear of making mistakes, especially. Mm-hmm on a video that I put out. So I put out a video and people point out a whole bunch of mistakes. Like the one that I can think of the most is I, I took a hand plane to the edge of my door because it was sticking and everyone's like, well, you shouldn't do that. You should just, you know, you're going to make your door a parallelogram or something. And I was like, I don't care. Right. Like I don't care, but the comments still to this day, it's like the most negative comments I've gotten on my channel is everyone saying, don't take a hand plane to your door to, to take one corner off because it's sticking. Everyone Mm -hmm. said like, redo your frame. And I'm like, I'm not redoing my frame of my door to take like, you know, uh, not even a 16th of an inch off. So these people clearly haven't seen a tradie putting, hanging a door in a house or an office because that's exactly what they do, but with an electric plate. So this is what one of the guys who comments on my channel, uh, Iris Chippy, He's got his own channel. He he was one of the guys who went. I see all the other comments. If this was my, if I was installing it, that's what I would do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've literally seen people do it. Like, oh, back when I used to do construction when I, when I was in high school. Ow! I just punched my microphone. Um, when I was in high school, I did construction for like two and a half years, and like every single trade, did the same thing. It, it makes sense to me. I was like, I'm not taking, like, I get, you don't want to, like, fundamentally alter the size of your door. But if it's just touching, because especially it was, like, mainly because it's been painted 700 times, mm. you know, <laughs> just I'm just trying to take off the layers of paint. Anyways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's another, like, you know, a, a evidence of, like, 
how the beginner's mindset can be super helpful because you were doing it in a way that made sense to you, not in like the quote correct way or the way that a, a door mechanic would do it. I know that's not exactly facetious. Yeah. And that can a lot of times be super helpful because, you know, questioning like norms and standards is usually a good idea because a lot of times they're not really based in anything other than the fact that that's the way people have been doing things. So when you try that something- That is my like, real life job is questioning people and saying, why do you do this? Because that's the way we do it. And I say, and it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Right? That's that's what I do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's very like useful and helpful and empowering. And I think um, once you're kind of more experienced in something, it's tough to kind of try to not to get pigeonholed into a certain way of doing things. And I think a lot of times in trying to keep things fresh for me, it's like rediscovering that beginner's mindset, but trying not to like throw out the baby with the bathwater of all the things I've learned in the process. What yeah, of analogy is that? You don't have that saying oh, down a, in Oz? No. That, that must be a North American saying. <laughs> yeah, right. Do you yeah. understand what it means from the context? <laughs> yeah, I understand what it means. I've just never heard it before. <laughs> oh, wow. I had a feeling as I was saying, I was like, I wonder if Adam's going to get this. Oh, that just reminds me that, yeah, never mind. Go on. So you threw out your baby? I think about it. Yeah. Um, I think about when when you were mentioning this topic, I think a lot about what uh, Jim, Jimmy Dressa talks about when he talks about it. just do do the next step. Right. Do, mm-hmm. do take a step in the direction. If you don't know what you're doing, just take it. Right. And even if you think you know what you're doing, but you're like caught up on yourself and you're thinking it through too much, just do a step. It'll all start falling together. And I think that's a way to try and reintroduce the beginner's mindset because when you're a beginner, you just, you take the steps. You don't know where to go. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to fall down. No worries. Right. Like the, when I watch it, it, it reminds me of my son trying things. Right, he pushes all the buttons. You give him something buttons, he presses all of the buttons. And my yeah. wife mm-hmm. is like so concerned about pressing buttons. She doesn't press any buttons on anything. She never figures out how anything works. And I know she's going to listen to this, but <laughs> she'll she'll never figure. Like I'm like, we just press this button, this button, this button, then you press that one, and it all works. She's like, how did you figure it out? And I went, I pressed all the buttons. I remember when I like the first time in a computer, I literally found out F1 did something. So I pressed all of the F func- like all the function buttons. I did that, yeah. Right. Because I'm like, well, what does F2 do? F1 brings up a help menu. What does F2 do? <laughs> yeah, they say so you're like, why the hell is Windows help coming off? Right. <laughs> it's but you take it back even further to like a baby with a like a um you can get those boxes where you put the different shapes in the top, there's the holes in the top. Right. They don't just pick up a circle and put it in the circle and a square and put it in the square. They pick up the circle and they try and put it in all of them until it fits in the circle. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, this re- reminds me of a time my uh, my dad's friend named Dave, um, he was working on his motorcycle, his Harley, and he just couldn't get this bolt off. And he was trying everything, getting the wrench out, getting the everything, right? And eventually his son comes along, who's my friend, um, and, you know, we're like 12 or 13 at the time. And and he's like, you know, you know could I try? And the guy's, you know. He's a big, you know, biker dude, right? Working on his Harley, and he's like, "Whatever, give it a shot." And he just turns it the other way. It was reverse threaded. Yeah, 
right? Because he didn't know any better. He didn't know lefty, loosey, ready, tighty. He just mm. grabbed it. It didn't turn one way or turn it the other way and it undid it. And and that's exactly that I think is like, I don't know. That was like a thing of like beauty to me to hear about this, this, you know, confident construction worker, Harley guy can't get his, his bolt undone. And his son comes along and just, bloop. Oh, I think, did I, did I, I know I muted myself. We're good. Um, <laughs> you just, I, so I think one, like maybe con to the beginner's mindset is that it doesn't really take strategy into account. So I love the mindset of like, you know, take one, I'll just do the next thing. Like when you're stuck, just like do the next step, just get started, it, which is great. It's, it's a great way to get motivated. But I found myself in the past when I'm doing things in that way, it can kind of get me to lose sight of like a larger goal. It's like, I'm just doing the series yeah. of projects that aren't really aligned with what I want to do. And it's like, recently I've said no to a lot of things because it's like, like, no, I, I, I really can't be spending effort on this random like one-off project right now that it's going to take a lot of time, but it's taking the time of something else that is more in line with like the vision I see for my future. And I think there's a bit of a balance there. And I feel like the beginner's mindset is something that I want to keep in mind when I'm, when I feel like I'm not able to do something or I feel like stuck or in a rut, but some, a lot of times it is good to not ju- to not get started and it's good to kind of like sketch things out and and see it through before you're you're on a path that you maybe don't want to be on so are you going to make another purse or bag yeah for sure because um it's something i'm excited about it's it's there's legs behind the idea and yes i am going to is the answer to your okay. question by when because we're going to set a smart goal. Oh, Specific, okay. measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. I had to throw him under the bus. Um, no, this is how you do it. This is how you get people, you know, this is how you get views on YouTube or uh, clicks on podcasts. So, by throwing people so here's under the, the bus. Okay, so let me uh, t- talk a bit more about this project in particular. So I think like a while ago, like maybe like four months ago, I was talking about really wanting to make a backpack which I really wanted to do. This was actually before we moved because I remember I was getting ready to get the supplies and then lockdown happened and I wasn't able to go to the store and I was trying to figure out like, could I pick it up? Anyways, eventually it got to a place where I could pick it up and I I wasn't really motivating myself to do it. Right. And I started thinking about it and I was like, well, I don't really want a leather backpack. Like the prospect of the final product of this doesn't really excite me. Like I don't see myself wearing one. I honestly think a store-bought backpack would be nicer. So like is the process of making it worth the final product? And eventually I what I kind of came around to was number one, stitching it by hand is a lot of stitching. And I don't really know if I want to do that. So fair. <laughs> kind of want to get a sewing machine. Maybe that's a good reason to get one or at least a spark for getting one number Mm -hmm. two full leather backpack not my style not very functional waxed canvas on the other hand is super classy and something that i do want to experiment with so maybe i'll do a hybrid leather wax canvas backpack something that i'll actually want to use 
So I feel like I'm, I'm finding a way that I want to do it. And answer to your question about the goal, let's say six months from now. Let's say April 2022. Okay. April 2022, right. I'm going to send myself a reminder email right now. Look at it. To okay. check in. Do you want to check in in April? Or do you want to have a, a three months from now check in to remind you that you made this goal? Yeah, let's do it three months. If it's at, right. at April, that's a little late. <laughs> Yeah, my question was going to be, why does it have to be leather? But then you change. Yeah, I, I think it, in fact, shouldn't. And like, JJ, I think listening to that Garage Avenger episode with JJ Leathercraft was like super inspiring. But also, like, that was his story. Like, that's what he was passionate about. And I think, and I would encourage everyone to like listen to that episode and then go look at the backpack he made because you can see like how committed he was to this project in the final product. Like it's, it's a really high quality of work. He was still a beginner when he did it. So it's not like the most polished thing, but it's like, it's was clearly a lot of work and his passion for it made it worth it. So I, I'm going to put this as the part of the beginner's mindset, I think is being like driven to do more work than is required. Like I, oh, for on sure. A first, for an on first project, first time I'm doing something, I'm willing to do ten times the amount of work because I'm learning, right? Like with air quotes. But for some reason, I, I'm willing to do that. And I think on the second one, I go, "Well, I've already. I need to. I need. I can't do that much work again. I've realized how yeah. much work it is. Why? Why? I. Why am I okay with doing all the work the first time? And the mm. second time, why why is it like such a problem of doing? If I liked the process, I clearly want to do it again. I liked whatever the final product was, depending on whatever it was. You know what I mean? Like I've when I look through all of that, I go, I shouldn't have a problem doing this again. What what is what's the psychological thing there, Morley? What's wrong <laughs> with me? Well, I think I think you kind of hit it on the head there where it's like we kind of all accept that when you're learning it's going to take time and we're not worried about efficiency when you're doing something for the first time. But maybe it's something about our culture where it's like once you start feeling like you're getting good at something, you feel like you have to be like efficient at it and I feel like we all start doing this like mental accounting which is like how much could I sell this for? How much time am I spending on it? What's my hourly rate even if like you're not really planning on selling it? Um right. you just start being a little more you know mathematical about it which isn't necessarily a bad thing but it's the diminishing returns because i'm not learning what else could i even if i'm not going to sell it it's what else could i learn because if i take Mm -hmm. that i'm going to learn a new skill by doing something completely different i'm learning so much more instead of refining i don't know i think i'm broken but i think we've gone over that before (laughs) we're all broken grant everyone's broken fair what about you guys? Are there is there a project or something that like you feel like you're not able to start or like really commit to? And is it because you know you don't have the beginner mindset around it? It's because you have, yes. you have a yeah. What is it? What well, I talked about it a while ago about this dog crate that I was making. I still have like not touched it in like four months. It's just sitting in my garage taking up space. But I just, I don't know, like I, it was a cross between like losing motivation and, and laziness. Like I've been going through some stuff like we've talked about before, but then also like, I just, 
I just don't know. Like I've lost interest in it now. It's, I, I mean, just, it's also hard when you've put something aside and then, you know, it, yeah. it you're not as um, excited about it anymore. Hmm. I think it's just, it, it's also not coming up as well as I wanted it to. Like um, painting all the doors and stuff. Like it just doesn't look as flawless as it should, which is a big issue. I think that a lot of people have, and that I'm having at the moment is that like, not everything has to look perfect, but in my mind it does. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about with the tradies and stuff, you know, like you make a commission for something for someone, they're not going to notice a little flaw, you know, yeah. but we, we see it because we are the ones that made it. I, I've made stuff for think- people in the past and I'm like, Oh, like they come pick it up and I'm like, Oh, like I'm really happy with it except for this one thing. Right. And I'm like, I if I never the- pointed it out, they wouldn't have seen. Sorry. I, I think that's something that, if you have a beginner's mindset, you're not worried about it anymore. So I think the problem is it's not a beginner's mindset for you because you don't have it for that project. Because yeah. I think in that project, you think you should do better than you're doing. Yeah. If anything, it harkens back to the taste gap issue mm. in that your, uh, your taste has gotten so much better. Like you're in that plateau between having it, the, the taste for your woodworking is higher than your skill and you just need yeah. to get get through a few more and you'll get past it and you'll get back mm. um for me it's this silly we've talked about it on the project i think like i don't know a long time ago i think we had a brainstorming about uh building a little like playground structure for fletcher and i i just i'm I guess I have the same. It's not a beginner mindset. It's it's the problem is like I've never built a playground structure before, so I should be able to just go right into it. But I mm-hmm. worry, like I overthink it. If anything, I think beginner's mindset is like you don't overthink something; you just build it, right? And I think yeah, that's a good point. when you're out of that beginner's mindset, you've started overthinking things. Mm. So so this playset, I I I I think it. I worry too much about like safety and like expandability and all these other things that I shouldn't worry about. So if I was building a play structure, um, I feel like it'd be a great opportunity to do something like super unconventional because this is something I always think about when I'm, when I'm thinking about building something, it's like there's, it feels like there's more of a reason to build it. If I can't buy the, buy it the way that I want to make it. Right. Um, that's always it. So if you do it in a way that's like you could never buy, then it's maybe there's less of a barrier there. Cause like there's not really a failure criteria. Like if it's a pile of logs, that's going to be fun to play on no matter what. <laughs> I guess maybe it's like a problem of the, like the, there's too much opportunity there. Mm. There's too many options. I could make it look like a, a, a pirate boat. I could make it look like a dinosaur. I could make it look like uh, a log cabin. I could just make it look like a deck suspended in the air, which is like the bare bones thing that it could be. That's the one you buy at the store is a deck suspended in the air. Right. And I, for some reason I go like, I've had this slide for two years. All I got to do is build a deck suspended in the air. And later, if I change my mind, I can redo it and build that pirate ship. Right. Yeah. And I think seems I got like to just do it. Seems like you just haven't found your inspiration yet. Right. You're yeah. not, I guess you're not happy where... with you're not happy with something basic. You want to be inspired enough to make something that you're going to be happy with now. 
by yeah. the time I get inspired, he's going to be too old. Yeah. Well, there I mean, you go. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> all right, Grant. Because time's a ticking. Let's make a smart goal. So, number one, <laughs> are you going first? Six are you going? Turned. <laughs> are you going to build a play structure for Fletcher? Because it, we have to first okay. establish if you're committed that you want to do it. It, it may not just be for Fletcher because there's obviously going to be another kid. So yes, 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 I will. Okay. When are you going to build it by? I want to say so. I, I I'm going to give like a really long date out there because mm-hmm. I can't. I mean, do Fletcher's it in still really term. young. Yeah, I mean he's got right, lots also, of years left to play in a play structure. Right, and I can't do it in the winter. Okay. Right, like it's it's going to be in my backyard. You can't dig and stuff, and you can't. I don't know, whatever. I can't do it in the winter. I'm going to put that out there. So I'm going to put this in June 2022. Oh, okay. That's pretty soon. Yeah, that's not, I was expecting longer than that. So summer 2022, oh. that's going to be your big project is building this play structure. I want it done before that, but yeah. I'm going to be off wow. work until True, July. Yeah. So like, obviously I'm going to have to work with Flet. Like I'm going to be taking care of you know my sons and whatever, my wife. But there's going to be two adults at home and two kids at home for seven months. I'm pretty sure we're going to be able to work out some sort of schedule that every once in a while I might be able to get out in the garage and do something. So, and by June, I hope that schedule will have been worked out. Um, July is going to be yeah. hell being so when used to be, yeah, you're both being home all the time. Like, yeah, it's going to be, yeah. um, it's going to be hard. Um, so you're going to send yourself an email or what? No, you guys have to follow up. I now don't it's know. We got to let's do it the first day of spring because I mean it's probably not actually going to be spring like weather then, but that's a good symbolic so time. So I'll put a reminder: March twenty first or twenty second. Okay. So remind Grant. That's a good one about because at that point, future. that's a good point that I'll need to order materials and drop the yeah, plans I, and whatever I'm going to do. I, I I'm going to counter that and say by the end of March, I want a idea of what it's going to be as in like a little okay. ske- like a drawn sketch or something well if you- we remind well, him on march 22nd that gives him a week to finalize his idea i think that's enough time yeah okay i can build it in a weekend no matter what it is if i'm motivated so this here's a little just like nugget of inspiration take it or leave it so there's um an urban forestry company here in toronto called just be woodsy and so they they buy up logs that are cut down across the city and they do a bunch of different stuff with them. Oh, no, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't have time to mute. Um, and one of the things they sell the is they buy, they buy giant old growth logs that have fallen down. Not the, they're not cutting down old growth trees that have rotted out in the middle and they hollow out the middle and they sell them as play logs. So people buy them for playgrounds. So they're like tunnels that kids can go through. They're nine hundred dollars. So I'm gonna yeah. pass. You're I'm not wrong. saying you should buy one. I'm saying that you could use that as inspiration for an element of your playground. I do know some actually. Um, there's a few different people that I know in Ottawa that cut down trees that I follow on Instagram. So I'll have to connect with them to see if they get any logs like this, and yeah. also. If they're not going to charge me nine hundred dollars for it, P.S. I almost swore, almost lost our tag for the episode. We always swear because that's a stupid price. It's big, a lot of wood. 
That's a, a lot of years went into making that tree. That's a fucking lot of wood. Um, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Play All right. Blocks. Wow. It's already they, okay. I'm sorry. And- Just be woodsy. Sounds like they're charging a lot of money. Maybe this is how much it costs, but I don't know. So I've, I've been to their facilities. They have um, they have a massive vacuum kiln. They have to pick them up in a big truck. They sl- it's a lot of labor and it's a lot of material. Um, With the nine hundred dollar thing, I get that. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking. There's ninety nine, ninety nine, so a hundred dollar play what block. The fuck? It is literally just squares of wood. They don't even clean. I will say right. it depends okay, well, let's on your not market. Tag. There's a lot of wealthy people in Toronto who are willing to buy things like that. Mate, let's they've, they've literally people. gone through a scrap bin and just made up a big pile of wood and said, "Here's some play blocks." Right, I've got lots of those. I've already got those. So good to go. All right, let's continue on whatever Morley was trying to transition into things that are spiffing. Wrong podcast, but okay. Ten dollars oh, for a stick, a literal stick. It is ten dollars for a literal stick. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm gonna Man, say, where, are they, where are the wrong business? The I'm gonna hell? say they're good guys and. <laughs> There's a story behind everything they sell, and I wouldn't be so quick to judge. Okay. What I oh, want I, to – No, I think I, mean, I don't have a problem. I don't – okay. I just want to put it out there because in case they do listen somehow, I'm sure it's fine. And I actually think there's enough yuppies in Toronto who will pay $10 for a stick or $100 for a board. I get it. I just yeah. go, look at it and just go like – I couldn't do that – like I guess I have a problem with I undercharge for everything. So maybe this is the problem. I should go around well, collecting sticks and charge. Well, that's the thing too. Like if I, I don't, when people charge a lot for something, my I feel like my a good reaction. I don't want to put a value judgment on this. I'm like, yeah, make that money. That's awesome that you're getting that price for that thing because that means that someone who created something is making you know a good living based on it, and people are willing to pay for it. So all the power to all the parties involved. Anyways. My clamendation for this week. Um, really good show that Eden and I just started. Um, sex Education. Have you guys seen that? Oh, I love Sex no. Education. We finished it. Oh, it's, it's such so a good show. So it's basically the premise is um, it's a son of a sex therapist. He's in high school, and um, it's so confusing. Yeah, he starts um, basically giving sex therapy to his classmates. Um, and it's it's really good. There's there's a very similar movie that's about a kid who starts like he's like a he becomes like a psychiatrist in school and he starts like selling drugs to kids but like trying to be a psychiatrist, not just a drug dealer. I can't remember what the movie's called, hmm. but it's a very similar kind of premise. Um, yeah, it's it's super good. It's like really like sweet and funny, cool like coming of age story and yeah, really enjoying it. Would highly recommend it. It's like a teenage romance movie as well, sort of. Yeah. I don't know. There's there's lots of different stories in one sort of thing, but it's really weird because they're all they all have like new technology, but it's like set in the seventies or, or like they live they literally all wear seventies attire, like seventies cars, yeah. But they have mobile phones and it's true. internet, and it's it's really weird. But I I read online, I can't remember exactly what it was, but there is a reason for that. Like the director, it's a throwback to something, huh? So. Yeah, if you Google it, 
like because there's been lots of questions on it you'll you'll see what i'm talking right about. so if i google yeah. sex education and i make sure to turn the safe search off i'll have a good night is this what's happening i'm pretty sure the first thing it'll come up no matter what you search for sex education will be that show yeah. i'm guessing it won't but i think the least, best case anyways, i think the funnest is. night you'll have is if you find that show i think you'll you might also find something that like is more anatomical and uh, I don't know if that's your idea yeah. of a good time, but it's. I, I was just trying <laughs> to be educational. funny. <laughs> I know. Mm. All right. What about uh, who's next? Who's next? Great. So, my uh, client recommendation this week is uh, this uh, young lady that is from Montreal who uh, goes by the name, and it's like a French name for cabinet maker, and then her her name is. Eloise, uh, and it's Eben, Ebenisteri Eloise. I don't know. I can't say it. Um, but she made this really cool dead blow mallet. But she takes it to another level because it's got fluid dynamics tied into it. And it's a really cool looking mallet. And she does like tests um, that show why uh, having fluid is better. And she basically takes a remote, uh, an RC car and takes the shocks off of it and shows that's why this works so well. And I really, I don't know, I like that. I, I used to be in RC cars. I really like, she has a good sense of humor. She plays classical music in her videos to apparently fight the techno music that's in all the rest of the woodworking videos, which I, I one day I'd like to have her on to, to ask where all this techno music she, she's seeing on these. I'm like, if anything, there's way too much rock music. But anyway, she likes playing a classical music um, and she, uh, she's making some great videos. And you could tell that she has a very well thought out process for designing things. Um, she has a really cool uh, toolbox she's designed and other things. Anyway, someone on the Fools with Tools uh, group posted up her video, and then I watched a bunch of like half of her channel. Um, so, and she's she's Canadian, so boom, there you go. That sounds super interesting. That that word is ebonestery, just so you know. Ebonestery. That's so much easier to say. <laughs> I've never heard it before. Yeah, I've never seen it before. And it looked French to me. Hmm. So I was trying to pronounce it like with a French accent. And I was like, I don't know. My my mouth doesn't work that way. <laughs> I, I, I know the, the government of Canada thinks I'm bilingual, but I'm not. Hmm. Well, my Clementation is a channel that I also can't pronounce. Uh, Quas Quasi hmm. is the, is the channel name. Right. Yeah. So this this gentleman is I don't know what he does for an occupation, but he works on a lot of film and TV shows, um, editing color the color like all the color mm. stuff. Um, but he uses the same program as me, which is DaVinci Resolve, which is what a lot of like TV stations and all that use. Um, and he does tutorials on how to do it, how to do how to get like certain colors, like how to get the Marvel color, how to get like the color from squid games and, and all that sort of stuff and how to, how to edit all that. Um, he has an insane setup. I sent you guys through a link for his Instagram with like his setup and like, it's, it's insane. Um, yeah, but yeah, very informative, like tutorials for DaVinci resolve color grading and, and all that sort of stuff, which is cool. He does, he does more than just color grading. There's some um, tutorials in there and 
on some other techniques and stuff, but he works a lot with the color. I think he, I think he's just like a color grader for like TV and movies. Cool. Pretty cool. The yeah. Quazman on Instagram. Quazman, that's right. I found Quaz him through man. Instagram Reels. Whoa. Wow. Who just donked their mic? <laughs> that was me. <laughs> Do you really need to ask that question? <laughs> All right. Well, 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 well. I want to give a thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon, especially Brent Jarvis from Clean Cut Wordworking, who is our F-Clamp level supporter. Um, everyone who supports us gets a handmade leather keychain. I just made Andrew Zito, who is our newest patron. And I didn't make Andrew. I made his keychain. I didn't do the <laughs> apostrophe S at the end of that. Um, and they also get access to the before and after show which is just more of more of fun and sometimes even more fun. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to patreon.com slash clamp. And Adam, do you have a word of the week this week? I do. It's more of a, um, what's the word? Uh, like idiomatic expression, a metaphor, a metaphor. I don't know. Anyway, it's, it's too, Two words. It's uh, Ken Oaf. So K E N space O A F. That's it. See, it makes Can me think you- of like a Karen. Like a Ken Oaf is like the male equivalent of a Karen. Hmm. Is it I'd Ken Oaf like, like a like a like a bad dad? Like is a it a, a dad? Is it a, a person, place, or thing? No. Or is it a descriptor? So it's an adjective. No. What? What is it? <laughs> it's is it a, a verb? It's a response to a question. Many questions. Okay, I'm going to use it in a sentence. Okay, we're playing two people here. Are you going to go watch the kangaroos this afternoon? Ken Oath. That so it's either like, like it, no way or hell yeah. Pretty much. It's short for fucking oath. What is, okay, what? Well, what does fucking oath mean? Yeah. Pretty much what you just said. Like, Which hell one? Yeah, hell yeah or hell no? Is it yes hell or yeah? No. Hell yeah. Sorry. Okay, well, no, because Australians go like, no, no, yeah, ha, yeah, no, yeah, ha, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, nah, and nah, yeah. We don't, you guys think that's all the same, right? What's Pretty the much. difference between nah, yeah, and yeah, nah? Well, yeah, nah, and nah, yeah are different. So which one is affirmative and which one is negative? Right. That's for you to work out. <laughs> oh. All right, next All right, time. Well, that's another Australian word of the week. <laughs> um, well, see, I, see even, the word, like, even the word oath, you wouldn't get, like... No. I don't... I, I feel like I've heard, it's one of those things that I, like, I've heard people say, but no. Yeah. It's, like, a, pretty much, like, affirmative. Like, it's, like, definitely going to happen sort of thing, like... Like I've taken an oath to this. I have promised by taking an oath to that this will happen. Pretty much. That's what it feels like to me. So Grant, you always say you want to thank TF Turning for the use of our theme song. That's what you say. That's what they say. I wonder where I got that. That's what they say in the Bim Bam. Yes. And it doesn't make any sense in either. I know. (laughs) Well, no, it does. For the use of our theme song. Right. That doesn't well, make it grammatical makes sense. sense. Be- 
No, because TF Turning allows us to use our theme song. He could take it away any day. He made it. Oh, okay. It's very awkward sounding. Uh, I know. It's just funny because like, I, whenever you said that, I was like, why does he say it like that? And then I listened to my brother and I'm like, that's why he says it like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I wonder if they know that like it sounds weird or it's just how they say yes. it. Okay. They know so thanks, TF Turning, for allowing us to use the song that you composed for our theme music. Um, that's that's it. If you want to Bye. look at our thumbnails, you can see it on Instagram at Clampcast or something like that. Maybe the Clampcast. No, uh, no, we changed gonna... it. We changed it. What do we? Oh, I changed it. Oh, did we? Clampstagram. 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 Okay, Clampstagram on Instagram. That's right. Uh, oh wow. We also you have a YouTube. It. That's awesome. We have a YouTube Clamp- channel too. That's ClampTube. ClampTube. And, and Clampbook is Facebook. Yeah, the other two don't matter as much. It's we need to double. We actually, we actually need to double down and rename them all these. Bye. Okay. See you. Goodbye. Jesus. <laughs> 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 just whips out cards against humanity with his three and a half year old. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.